Yes, everybody! It's Wednesday, September 16th. The year is 2020. Mi nombre es Jacob Eman. And with me, as always, is David Patrick Fleming. Uh... We are recording here Wednesday morning after a massive blowout by the New York Yankees on our beloved Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, still reeling, feels like we've been battered, but uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna regroup tonight. We're gonna get our man Tanner Roark. <laughs> He's gonna go up against Garrett the Ferret Cole. That's who you want on the mound, baby. When you're going up against Garrett Cole in the Bronx for a playoff, no other guy that I'm pointing the finger to than Tanner Roark. Step up here, young man, and hawk those balls. And I mean balls. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Um before we before we get into last night's game, I want to to touch on a bit of general news from from the world of baseball. Yesterday, we saw a postseason schedule released, um, and some some kind of intriguing things coming out of that. Learning that there will be no days off within the first couple of series, no days off until the World Series. So we won't have any of your classic um, crazy pitching, starting pitchers pitching on two days rest or something, bringing in your ace again or your number two again in, in your division and your championship series. Um, I kind of, I personally, I, I want, I'm, I'm curious about what you think about all that, David. I kind of like it. I like the idea that... Um, the postseason will function in the way that the normal, the regular season does. That you have to win a series the same way that you do in the regular season, and and that it will, uh, it it will benefit the teams who have created depth, who have more than two aces that can just win them everything, um, in the sort of way like we saw. Um, the Washington Nationals last year rely on on their pitchers. They had they had more than two pitchers, but. You know what I mean? Having a big bullpen, having having some depth to your team, that that will allow you to to beat these teams that don't. And you know, it's Yankees fans in particular right now who are terrified because apparently they did not know that going into the trade deadline. Uh, that was a quote from Aaron Boone saying that they didn't know at the trade deadline that there would be no days off in the in the playoffs. Major League Baseball has really thrown some interesting curveballs yeah. at teams during this season though the season starts on opening day and major league baseball is like oh by the way uh, more teams are going to be in the playoffs yes. and teams are like oh shit we were hoping to tank but now we have a shot oh we didn't make any acquisitions in the offseason oh shit and now it's like oh by the way no days off so your pitchers are going to be tired you're not going to be able to march garrett cole out there on short rest i mean It'd be extremely short rest. I'd like to see it. But I like that. I, I, I mean, there's not a ton of days off in baseball regardless, just really on the travel days anyway. But still, that's a, it's a really important day to get rest from some pretty pivotal arms. And I'm all for it. Obviously, it sets up us up a little bit better because of the amount of arms we have in the bullpen and us being far more dominant out of the bullpen. 
but I like it anyway. I think that baseball is such a rhythm game. It's not a game where you need uh, a ton of rest as long as guys are healthy, which, you know, is a big if. And so I, I think it helps a team that can get on a roll. So I'm all for it. Yeah, me too. And, it's, it, it, you know, it especially benefits a team like us, as you're saying, who has a lot of depth in the bullpen, but also a lot of starter depth in the bullpen that we can, that we have length in the bullpen and that we also potentially have length in our starters. Well, not length in terms of how long our starters will go, but that we have even starters now if people come back, like if Shoemaker comes back, I know that they're not going to be pitching six or seven innings. Same with Pearson but that you have Robbie Ray, another starter now. You've got Walker, Ryu, Stripling even. You know, just like this, all of this length um, that feels like it could be a benefit to us if we can figure out by the playoffs who who the guys are going to be, who who's hot at that time, which will be, which will be hard. I, it does also feel a little bit weird still speaking in the assumed reality that we are headed to the playoffs after what we witnessed last night. Blue Jays dropped to the seventh seed. Yeah, still, still, you know, solidly in a playoff spot, but if they just start to tailspin, oh my God. It's, it's funny. We're talking about rest. We're talking about days off. I don't, I think it's good that, that this was the last Blue Jays day off for, uh, for the season. It seems like bad things happen when they take a day off. You know, I I don't like it. We took we took the days off with them. We took off. Weren't they off uh, Thursday as well before the Mets blowout? Yeah, they were. They yeah, they also point. got blown out earlier in the season on the on before a day off by uh, the Red Sox. I think they lost ten to one coming back after a day off. They've only won twice, I think, after days off this season. Um, there's something there, and you could see it. Right, we'll get into it with your game diary in a second, but I was texting you in the first inning, like Davy Garcia came out there, boom, 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 and the guys were just like, Oh, what, what, what? I'm out. Okay, moving oh, on. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> Don't throw strikes. Uh. I've been off for a day. I'm out of my rhythm. I'm Give me a second. Over. Yes. Like what is going on there? It's it's infuriating. Especially from someone like Biggio. Biggio I don't know what what's going on with him, especially last night, last couple, last week or so. Three Ks so many, last night. So many strikeouts is did that 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 kind of caught me off guard. And I know it's it's harder for you watching that with him on your fantasy team, knowing that that's a minus one, a minus one, a minus one every time he strikes out. Yeah, it's 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 awful. And 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 as I was saying to you last night, fantasy's ruined my perception of baseball now and i i just need to try to detach myself from fantasy for a minute because i view the game differently and i don't want to do that actually it's it's particularly difficult in your situation how many blue jays do you have on the team now five four i have randall grishik kevin biggio vladdy taiwan walker i think you that's dropped, it you dropped giles so you don't have giles i dropped anymore, giles right? a while ago yeah yeah wow so that's going to affect things a lot for you. Yeah, I just there were so many unknowns going into fantasy, and I just thought, oh, this will be fun. But uh, it was not a good idea. It was not a good idea to put that kind of pressure on my team and to make it this whole other thing that it, it had no business being. And, you know, I'm going to wear this one. It's, it's on me. Right. Okay. 
Well, while we're feeling down on ourselves, while we're while we're feeling miserable, let's let it all out, David. I want to hear what it was like for you last night watching this game. I was I was miserable. I know that you were miserable. Let's it, after a blowout, you just got to let it out. So let me hear your version of watching the game last night so we can really dig into everything that happened. Oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to relive this garbage. But here we go. Let's do a fucking swan dive off a cliff into a bed of rocks, everybody. This is the Game Diary. I am feeling down. I can't shake it. A longing and a dread. I don't want to talk to anyone. Let's call it colder weather. It's getting darker sooner in more ways than one. Starting a new job, rising case counts, and the impending doom of a second lockdown. Feeling so fucking alone and lost, I can't shake it. And I am ready to unfairly put all these feelings into this ball game tonight. Blue Jays and Yanks in the Bronx. The first and only time this year. Taiwan Walker and Davey Garcia. For as insufferable as Yankee fans can be, I miss seeing the cold breath into the night sky on a September Eve and a meaningful game. Two teams battling it out for a playoff spot. The Bronx cheers and the roll call. Travis Shaw is batting third. Best word for that is the beer I'm drinking. Grolsch. Garcia is coming at the Jays early. All fastballs, all strikes, 93. Jays seem shocked like they've never seen that before. Weak first inning with two Ks. In the second, my computer decides I don't deserve any happiness and it freezes and when it comes back on, it's one nothing Jays from a Vladdy home run, I guess. I hope it was great because I will never get that back. The Michelin man looks like he took a shit and out came Alejandro Kirk. He's in the lineup tonight and as long as he's in the big leagues, I'm not saying anything about Vladdy's body again. In the bottom of the second, after an Ursula double, Clint Frazier skies one to Derek Fisher and here is a vocal reaction of what happened. It clanks off his glove, Brett Gardner hits another shot to Fisher and he is having a meltdown. He duffs another ball, a run scores, this inning should be over like Derek Fisher's career. Tyler Wade singles. It's 2-1. I am so mad at Derek Fisher. I realize that it's a disproportional amount of anger I'm placing on him, but I can't control it. Not in New York. Not tonight. LeMahieu singles 3-1, and Fisher looks like he feels awful, and somehow it's comforting to know that he's suffering. God, why am I so angry? Luke Voigt crushes a three-run shot at 6-1. Up next, Aaron Hicks. It's gone, and so is Walker. It's 7-1. I would love to see a cage match between Taiwan and Derek Fisher right now. In comes Yamaguchi and oh, it gets worse. Much, much worse. Here's a breakdown of his inning and a third. Walk, 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 balk. Hit batter, hit batter. Two runs score without any sound of a ball hitting a bat. It's actually quite creative. Base is loaded again, and LeMahieu says, I'll fix that, and he clears it with a double. Yamaguchi lets up a total of seven runs on four walks and only two hits. It is 14 to 1 in the fourth inning. Jacob asks me on text, Is this the worst game ever? Recency bias aside, you bet your ass it is. I'd rather watch a Little League game where all the kids had to throw with their wrong arm, run with their feet tied together, and use dead raccoons as bats. How does this happen? How do you come to New York and have a performance like this? I almost start getting addicted to the pain of it. Anthony Kay comes in with two on and the first batter, Gary Sanchez, boom, gone, yes, just 
spit in my eyes. It's a three-run bomb. Yes, 15 to three. Yeah, that's right. Three for the Jays. Guriel hit a home run earlier, and I didn't even tell you. It doesn't even matter. It is just all about the pain. Ken Giles comes in. It's nice to see you, buddy. Ooh, that's gone too. Luke Voigt with his second blast of the game, 17 to three. Toe punt me in the dangling sack. Hey, Barucky, it's your turn. Please, please, please keep it going. Yes, that's gone. Clint Frazier cracks a dinger. Push me off a bridge over a frozen pond. And now here I am in what? Hour four? Watching Santiago Espinal on the mound. Why not? First batter, Lemehu. See you later. It's a derby, folks. And it's 20 to three. And it's like I'm shotgunning cans of live hornets. I am so done with this. Here's a wrap up of the top of the eighth. Guriel single, panic drives him in with a double, it's 20 to four. Alejandro Kirk single, Fisher fielder choice, 20 to five. Bichette double scores, Fisher 20 to six. Shaw walks, there's a mound visit. To say what? Jonathan Davis singles, it's loaded for Vladdy, who has a shot at the cycle, the lone bright spot for the Blue Jays. But that's the ball game, 20 to six, and no, that's not the time. Good night, fuck this game. Wow, I forgot some of that. I forgot some of that. Um... I kind of forgot basically everything after Yamaguchi and until Espinal came in. <laughs> wow. Uh, I didn't think anything could enrage me more than the Derek Fisher thing, but man, Yamaguchi was close. It's hard. It's maybe it's because Fisher started it all, and the one who starts it should get maybe the most blame, but my God, Yamaguchi's performance was just. Because at that point, seven to one, you know, the Blue Jays have had many comebacks this year. Well, no, yeah. Manny's accurate, but they've had some comebacks of larger than seven to one. And so there's still hope. There's still a chance. But then when he comes in and 14 to one and it's the fourth inning and you got to sit through the rest of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. And it was so exciting. Yankee Stadium, September, playoff race, neck and neck heading into yeah. this playoff race. And right away, and after the Vladdy home run, it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, here we go. Vladdy's back. Let's do this. And then just an epic meltdown. God, yeah. There was something to, <laughs> I, I feel like I could sense it coming. It was even before the Bach, the Yamaguchi Bach, he, he, he did the windup, and then he just kind of fell off the mound, and the ball went. It didn't even make it to the batter. He did end up throwing it, but he just kind of fell off the mound, and then he's kind of like smiling to himself, but also looks like, uh-oh, something's really wrong inside my brain right now. No. <laughs> and he kept circling the mound, and he was taking his time, and then there was a mound visit, and you weren't sure if he was going to come out. And so not only was it just a, a trash performance, but it was – just so time consuming and dull and taking like three walks in a row, then you hit two guys. There's no action whatsoever. Yeah. It was so bizarre too. <laughs> there was a really a weird moment for me. I can't remember what inning it was. I feel like it was the fifth when finally Davy Garcia got up again. And it was like, I don't know what the score was. It was outrageous. But then Garcia's up in the fifth and he's thrown 56 pitches. I was like, wait, what? Oh my God. Yeah, that's what it would. That's like what a normal thing should be like in the. Well, it's, that's a really good pitch count for, for the fifth or the sixth inning. But just knowing that that's what 
what the other side was when it feels like we've thrown like, I don't know, 400 pitches that each guy comes in and has to throw 50 at least just to get two outs. And you've got this rookie in Davey Garcia who's, I don't know, what is it, his fifth career start, his fourth career start, his second start against the Blue Jays. He seemed more locked in and focused than any member of the Blue Jays right off the bat. He was just zoned in, boom, 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 here you go. And I was like, come on, guys. You're making this rookie look like he's old schooling you right from the start. Yeah, yeah, I loved that. He came out, I mean, I hated it. But I love I like Davey Garcia a lot. I love watching him pitch. I really, really do. I think he's going to be great. Yeah, I can, I just want to say something about uh, along those lines. The atmosphere right now at Yankee Stadium is absolutely brutal. That loose seat covering behind home plate gives it. It makes it feel like they're moving out or something, and the place is a mess. Like. Like I've we've made fun of the cardboard cutouts at various stadiums a lot, but they are excellent compared to that trash. Like it's dead silent there. I don't know where the crowd noise. They only turn up the crowd noise. The the sound of someone catching a ball like echoes as if they've just hit it, and 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 that background. It's awful. It's not until they give you a a, a look on the camera of the outfield or something that you're like, oh yeah, nice Yankee Stadium. But, oh. I wonder if there's something to that. Actually, I didn't. Uh, there, it was quieter, and I wonder if you know the Yankees are like, you're going to make us come into Buffalo, go to those clubhouses, those bullpens along the lines. Guess what we're going to do when you come to the Bronx? We're cutting the fucking sound. You're going to uh. sit there in your fucking silence, and that ball's going to come at Derek Fisher, and he's going to have start to panic because he can hear his own heart beating against his ribs, and it's like, oh, how do you like it? I wonder. That's really interesting because it was quiet. It was awkward. It felt uncomfortable watching the game. Yes. yes. Totally. While we're let's let's just get into it. Let's talk about Fisher for a second here. I mean a second. We'll see. Um how do guys like Walker and Fisher get over that tonight? I thought Walker was so classy after the game. He said that yeah. that was an opportunity for me to bail a teammate out and I couldn't do it. I wasn't making the pitches. I think Taiwan Walker is a class act. And, you know, and I believe that even if he was livid, even if he was murderous after he saw that, that he accepts it as part of the game. And I don't think he says anything to Derek Fisher after that game. I think Derek Fisher probably didn't sleep last night. <laughs> I hope to God he didn't sleep last night. Yeah. In my mind, though, I feel like in, there's some part of Walker that holds on to that for the rest of his life. You know, I don't know. I, I don't think I would ever be able to forget about that, even though you know it happens and you know you can't really get mad. You can't get mad in the moment because you'd be showing that you're mad at Fisher. And, and he doesn't want to do that. You can tell that because it's such a hugely, vastly different reaction from him this time getting taken out of the game from Charlie compared to the previous two two starts ago where he's losing his mind. You, are you fucking kidding me? Let me get out of this shit. This time it's like, oh, yes, here you go, master. That's the ball for you. Not my fault. I'm I'm doing this, but but we can't say anything right now. You're mad about it. I'm mad about it. Here you go. And he had this energy to him like like – 
it, the way he put the ball into the glove, like very poignantly and like his eyebrows were up yes, and he kind yes. of walked with like air in his cheeks. It was almost like he was in front of a group of people and somebody just told him about a three year affair that his wife was having on him. And he was like, oh, well, isn't that interesting? I'm just going to show myself to the washroom. Thank you for letting me know. And that's why yeah. I was like, I want to see a cage match because I wanted to see what was actually living inside of him. Yes. I want to know, that's so good. I want to know if Fisher goes up to him in between the innings or after the games and just keeps profusely apologizing or, and this is what I think is more likely, if he knows that he would be weak and it would come off as weak of him doing that and instead he stubbornly doesn't say anything at all and barely looks at Taiwan for a couple of days and I think that's an even like weaker even more disgusting move to like you know I, there's no good way I feel like for them to go about it other than maybe just like a very quick like hey man I'm sorry I fucked that up and Taiwan's like man that happens let's move uh, on my guess is that it's closer to that that it was a one-time very kind of awkward thing for Derek Fisher to go up to Taiwan and just say, you know, my bad. I'm really sorry, man. That ain't on you. And Taiwan just sort of shrugs it off. But I, I also feel I do need to say this. Everybody has shitty days. I was having a shitty day yesterday. I've had shitty days where I've fucked up things at work. I've had shitty days where I've uh, fucked up my life, my friends, mm -hmm. uh, problems, partners, problems it happens and i understand that that is a human thing and it, the the, uh, the unfortunate thing sometimes about sports is that you put all of your real life feelings into the game and i knew that i was experiencing that with Derek fisher but it was just such an easy target for so much pain but there, there is a part of me that when i saw him sometimes in the dugout alone staring down or just this quality to him in right field and then he's you know hey, has a terrible night at the plate as well Oh man, that's tough. That is so so tough. And and even Dan Schulman was kind of being hard on him. And my God, you don't hear that very often from Dan Schulman. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, I I do feel, I feel, it's such a complicated feeling to have watching that, knowing that you're livid about him, but because you're so angry, then it moves into this like sadness for a human that they could possibly. Because you know that we're just the beginning, that in all of Twitter, it, even even Jamie Campbell, Dan Schulman, everyone is thinking this guy is the worst outfielder we've ever seen. We need to, he needs to be cut from the team mid game. Like people are like on Twitter being like, get him out there to pitch fifty pitches, you know, punish him, and and you just start to be like, oh, this is this is really sad, and I I I I can see an element of all of the times I've fucked up in my life in him now. I think that's what it is. It's like we hate that quality in ourselves when we see it, and it's subtle. You can see it on his face without him, you know, even having to yell or anything. It's just a subtle quality of his behavior, and you're like, I know that feeling. Yes. Yeah. And because it's not like it's some guy that we 
like to begin with. You know, yeah. if it was yeah, like yeah. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., he'd be like, fuck Lourdes. You, what the hell was going on last night? You could be openly angry. But when it's this guy who barely gets any playing time, he's he, from the beginning, we didn't like that he was on the team. The very first, the very first ball that came to him or in the first game that he was on the team, a ball smoked him in the face after the Sanchez trade. You know, like he's, he's, he's really easy to pile on. And he's he's just been a bad outfielder from the beginning. I think that that's a big part of it is that he hasn't really contributed. And if it happened to Lourdes or if it happened to Bo or if it happened to, I don't know, Ryu or even Vladdy or, you know, they've contributed. He hasn't contributed really. Yes, he hit the two-run home run off Garcia in the last game um, that they were playing the Yankees in Buffalo. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So He's hit a couple of bombs. There's no sure. doubt he can he can launch homers, but oh, it's just, that's the thing. Like if it was twenty to six and the Yankees bats just went off and the Blue Jays pitching couldn't do anything, it's just one of those nights where the bats catch lightning and you're fucked and you bow out and you say get you tomorrow. But it's the two misplays by Derek Fisher and then it's the walks by Yamaguchi, the hit battered by Yamaguchi, and then it's like. Well, what are you supposed to do now? The bats can't bail you out every single time that you get yourself in this kind of deficit. And and it's yeah. the second shelling in less than a week. Yeah. The second time we've had Espinal pitching in less than a week. You know what's crazy is that because we watched the Raptors game the last time that they lost 18-1 to to the Mets on Friday night, I didn't even know that Espinal pitched that game until they brought it up in the broadcast right. last night. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. The pitch that LeMahieu crushed for a home run was 48 miles an hour yeah 48 miles an hour yeah we gotta have a different option uh (laughs) from the player from the position players of guys that we can bring in that i mean he ended up getting the outs in the end but i thought this might never end we might have to we might have to have a mound visit or charlie might have to go out and get a position player to bring in a different position player because he couldn't get anyone out those are those are tricky moments those are you don't want to see a guy get injured but you also don't want to injure a guy who's valuable so you kind of you just put out there what you can i mean espinal looks like maybe he pitched at some point in his life you know just in in terms of his delivery not necessarily his uh velocity even though his fastball is like in the 80s oh yeah you 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 kind of undersold it too you said two Two misplays from Derek Fisher. It was more yeah, than that. The 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 one, the third one was uh, when the ball got past him. When yeah. it looked like he get it's every time he goes near the ball, it looks kind of like he gets like scared of it a little bit. Like it 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 bounced. Like first of all, that that ball didn't need to bounce. Any no. I feel like any other if that was even if it wasn't that game, if he hadn't made the plays that he already made, he would have gone for that. Would have been a bit more aggressive and tried to catch it. Instead, he let it bounce. It launched past him, went to the wall. There was another time when, when he uh, got to a ball, went and bobbled that one too. I think it was four or five like misplays in the outfield of that game. Have you ever been so embarrassed that you're almost shaking and, yes. and almost every movement in your body is stunted in some way because of the level of embarrassment that you're experiencing? I feel like that's what was going on with him at a certain point last night. Like he couldn't even 
get his body to do the things that he wanted to do because of how embarrassing it was. And I almost, I wonder, I wonder what would be worse to have a game like that in front of the New York fans or to have a game like that in just dead, quiet Yankee stadium with that level of silence. It's hard to know. I think if, I think if the fans were there, they probably could have taken him out. You know, I feel like they could have made uh, a quicker pull on him for some reason with the with nobody there i feel like it's more embarrassing to be pulled out of the game could you imagine what the yankee fans would have been saying to him after even after the first misplay but let alone like two three you know striking out looking oh my god you'd see nothing but cold breath in the air and just shitty hate being thrown his way did you did it look to you like maybe fisher tried to injure himself after missing (laughs) missing that when he when he's like he's terrified of the wall you can tell he's terrified of the wall he's got his hand up he's like looking back and went and didn't make didn't make the catch didn't make it close to the ball and then to me it looked like he put a little extra something something on his like throw of his body into the wall like maybe if i throw myself hard enough into this wall i won't have to play anymore i can use that as an as a as an excuse for what happened tonight people will be thinking about this instead of the disaster that had just happened and that happened a couple of plays ago I didn't I didn't feel that way but I could totally imagine like that's very human to me to to just like want to hurt yourself to get out of a situation. Yes. Uh so that's really funny to me. Cuz then like he he gets into the wall then Grichik's made the play he's throwing it back in then you see him kind of like walking kind of like shaking up like uh and Grichik's like hey man are you okay and he's like walking like oh i think i really did something there i'm really shaken up and he's like holding on to his chest and his legs and <laughs> there was a time when he was in the dugout and he was looking at his hand and i was like if you even try to pretend <laughs> that you've been hurt if you even so much as say anything about an injury i swear to god Derek fisher you just have to wear this one do mm-hmm. not come out and be like oh uh, i've been playing with an injury and that's why that happened you, you could be on crutches and catch that fly ball that was hit to him in the in the second inning yeah does does he ever play in a toronto outfield again <sighs> i don't know i mean the thing that was really driving me and drives me about Derek fisher is the fact when they keep saying the organization's really high on this guy. He's got so many different skills, you know, lots of power, speed. And I'm like, well, how much, uh, how many chances does he get? And like, when yeah. are we going to see it? And why are you so certain that it will eventually happen? Because it, he's been given some opportunities. But, you know, and it's not like, you know, at least it take, when it took Teoscar a long time to come around this year, there was, more productivity with Teoscar. He was still like having these streaks of like crushing bombs and stuff like that. Yes, Derek Fisher launches one into the second deck every now and then, but I just don't get what the allure to him is and why they're so certain about it. Teoscar still played every day, even when he wasn't performing well and particularly on defense. He was still playing every day. Like we see Derek Fisher, like it feels like every two weeks or something, you know? And I think... I think maybe I'm wrong, but I I feel like we're seeing the ex- part of the exact reason on the other side of the team, and they do not want to have another Geo Urshela happen to them, where somehow we let this guy who has a lot of potential has a big back go, and uh, he 
it's the opposite where we 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 had a a massive a great defender go and he turns his bat into something huge and an all star basically on the Yankees. But no, but I, the only thing I'll say is different about that. Gio Urshela is an amazing third baseman, couldn't hit, went to the Yankees, started to hit. It's not like Derek Fisher is this amazing hitter who just can't field. Yes, he has power, but in terms of comparing Derek Fisher's offense to Gio Urshela's defense, I don't even think they're in the same ballpark. No, I don't think so either. It's just like it's someone with tools, and if you if he can put the tools together, then anybody in minor league baseball has tools. And yes, his tools might stand out to some degree on paper and the metrics that they have for these players. But at some point, what makes you a big leaguer is the ability to exhibit those tools in moments in big league ball games. Yeah. And I do think you're going to see him in the Blue Jays outfield. I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to I don't think they're going to DFA him just yet. I, I, I don't. Maybe they won't DFA him, but I can't I can't see him getting a start in right field again. I don't know how that they can allow that to happen unless they want unless they're choosing to lose. <laughs> that, that's tough for him, man, to just live with that to never get another crack at that. I mean, maybe he doesn't want another crack. Maybe he's like, for the love of God, never put me out there again. But if he doesn't get another start in the outfield, then I guess what does he just become the guy on second base in extra innings? Or uh, yeah, I think so. But is it, I mean, do you? Do you have any interest in seeing Derek Fisher out there for, under any circumstance that isn't pinch hitting or pinch running that you wouldn't rather have Jonathan Davis in there for? No, I didn't want to see that last night. I, I, I don't ever need to see it again, but right. I just don't the think thing is, gonna... is the thing is the left-handed, right? Jonathan Davis is right-handed, so you they they have a right-handed pitcher come in especially a guy who Derek Fisher hit a home run off of you understand why last night they want to bring him in but sure, after but that I, I don't even need those guys to hit Jonathan Davis is a great fielder put him out there let him field and if he runs into one or bops a single or something like that great but yep. let's let's stick to defense because there's no uh 18 run home run that somebody can hit to make up for those fucking blunders that he had in right field. No, I know. The problem is too, I'm seeing on Twitter, everyone's like, Kevin Biggio needs to be playing in right field. I'm like, well, he also needs to be playing third. Can't you see? He's had to move over to third base because we have such horrible defense. It isn't as noticeable to just like your everyday Blue Jays fan who isn't seeing the kind of like minor ways in in how horrible Travis Shaw is as a third baseman and and just because he's not making everyday plays and it's less obvious when a ball is on the ground and a third baseman doesn't even try to get it as it is when a when an outfielder a ball sailing in the air outfielder sprinting it's way more dramatic of a of a miscue on defense when that happens compared to third base but it's just as it's just as dire there guys and we can't have we, we only have one Kevin Biggio and I like him. I like him staying at third right now. I think you got to have Jonathan Davis out in the outfielder and, and, until Tay Oscar Hernandez, our defensive savior, can come back. <laughs> know, Who would have thought? I, it's so crazy that the defense on this team going into the year, you think, oh, you know, there's going to be some, there's going to be some problems, but Kevin Biggio's running around trying to fix all these leaking cracks in this ship, and he can't be everywhere. And as soon as he's somewhere, somebody else isn't somewhere else. And then you've got all these injuries. It's so like, could you imagine last night in a playoff game, in a three-game series in the first round? Could you oh. imagine something like that happening? Because 
There's a chance it's going to happen. It's very realistic chance. Someone else is probably going to get injured before the end of the season. And it, my God, there's so many versions where they go up against just a, a pretty great offense. And that ball's going to be all over the yard. Mm-hmm. Oh, this could be a really ugly turn. I don't mean to be pessimistic and, you know, doomsday here, but this could be a really awful turning point in a, a very hopeful Blue Jays season that we've been witnessing so far. Luckily, it still feels like, I mean, we have to, we have to more than blow it against just the Yankees this, this series. We gotta, that's got to keep going past this. If, if we're going to get out of the playoffs, I feel like we'll still be okay to get in the playoffs. We'll I get know, some guys back. If this change keeps happening and New York keeps on fire, they go one, we go eight, and we face the Yankees at Yankee Stadium the entire time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about <laughs> them taking it from Tampa coming back for the one seed. Poof. That's 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 another situation. Let's let's uh let's talk a little second here. Um I don't know what happened. There was no pulse. The body was cold. He was in the casket. They sent him off. We said goodbye to Caleb Joseph and like Jesus returns. He came out of a cave. I don't know what happened. We spoke way too soon because Caleb Joseph is back on the Toronto Blue Jays. He's on the taxi squad. He's there helping out Kirk and Jansen again. What does that do to a man? Like how do, <laughs> how do you how do you like? There's I don't understand baseball how they how how men can wake up day to day without killing themselves because was it was it the plan all along listen caleb we we want we want kirk up here it's it's not personal at all and if you don't clear waivers if someone else doesn't want you you're more than welcome to come on back and join us for this ride i think it's a like a worthy risk to take i mean a very low risk i think you probably assume that nobody's going to pick him up um and and if somebody does you know it's not the end of the day uh, end of the world but uh, you know for me like you know we did say some things. I, I thought he was dead. Okay. And I wouldn't have said some of the things that I said about him uh, if I knew that he was alive. And so uh, welcome back, Caleb. Uh, hope to see you dancing mm -hmm. again. And mm -hmm. uh, sorry, I guess. Yeah, I feel bad. I, I, am, I am sorry, Caleb. I don't remember what I said about you, which, you know, speaks again to what I think of you, I suppose. But <laughs> <laughs> i i feel like i can't uh, we we haven't i i know you know everyone out there loves uh alejandro kirk um from the little that we've all seen of him i feel like i still haven't seen enough of him to really have any big feelings or thoughts that i can talk to you about i'm i'm still excited i will say that i still am excited about what he's bringing even i feel like there's already more production from what we've had at the catcher situation all season just seeing a couple of you know a couple of hits the other way getting you know i don't know if it's going to be a bunch of dingers but if he's going to keep hitting line drives and little little uh singles the other way it's a huge I, ask that. like you know i haven't played over what is it a ball he hasn't played over it's a huge ask to come into the big leagues and be in a playoff race and 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 try to get some offensive production and try to learn yeah. the pitching staff. It's a huge but it, ask. It's it's a huge ask, but at the same time, there's something about it that doesn't feel that way to me, because because it's it's not like it's like Vlad or Bo or some like if if we brought up Austin Martin up right now, it's like there's something like a, a bit of just like a 
whatever you got. It doesn't, you know, if if it's nothing, it's nothing. We we took a gamble. But, but I just uh, mean from his perspective, not not necessarily our perspective on him, but because I'm sure he doesn't think to himself, well, I'm not supposed to be good. And then he goes up there. I'm sure he wants to do really well. It's just a huge ask to jump that many levels and then to face big league pitching. I mean, even look at Vlad. He batted like, what, 400 in AAA and he hits 250 in the big leagues? Yeah. It's just a massive adjustment. Now, people pitch Vladdy a lot harder than they're going to pitch Alejandro Kirk. Like, pe- people have game plans to take Vladdy down, have exposed all his weaknesses. Kirk, I imagine, will get challenged a lot and he'll have an opportunity to get some hits because of that. But, you know, then an adjustment will be made. But, yeah. Who knows? But, but it's also, this. it's what, the, what they're trying to do differently. Vlad's going up there. He's trying to mash the ball a lot of the time. I feel like Kirk can kind of just go up there. He knows he's hitting eighth. He just needs to get on base somehow. If it's to take a walk or if it's to just get the bat out there somewhere, put it in play. It's not the same, like, goals, I feel like, that each of them has that what might actually lead to more success for, for Kirk. Okay, last last thing of the show here today. Do you think uh, you think DJ LeMahieu could be our... Uh, are solved for third base next season. Oh my God. Wouldn't that be amazing? The relationship he has with Bo at such a young age coming into Toronto. Oh, that'd be amazing. He played third. He can play third and he played third ex- for an extended time uh, before Urshela uh, started or, or maybe he was injured or something. Something happened last year. Andujar was, was out and uh, LeMahieu played extended time at third. His, his position second base, but he can play first. He can play third. And I wonder if, if we could, you know, Say hey, three years, you know, seventy million, sixty million, or something. Come on, come on up to Toronto, be with Dante, be with Bo. I think the Yankees are going to extend him to a a contract that the Blue Jays might not be comfortable with. But my God, I don't even care if he plays third base. I want his bat in the lineup. I love watching DJ LeMay who hit. Yeah, me too. Me too. I I don't know. It's it's hard to say what. I, I can't remember who I was listening to. You probably listened to it too. Maybe it was uh, on Central when they're talking to that guy from New York just about whether New York is going to be comfortable with what LeMayhew has earned for himself while playing there. You know, it's probably like a four-year, $80 million or something contract uh, versus the like two two years at $12 million that he got for, for coming on to the Yankees. Yeah, I just wonder if New York's not comfortable with it, are the Blue Jays going to be comfortable with it? That's that's the question that I would have about that. But fuck, that would be so exciting. Well, the reason I thought of it too is that that little uh, graphic came up at some point in the game last night talking about um, prospects for Yankees and Blue Jays. And up there, you know, they've got Wander Franco as number one. Then you see... Uh, Austin Martin, Nate Pearson, and Jordan Groshans, and then you see David Garcia. Jordan Groshans is 20 years old. He's younger than Austin Martin. Austin Martin's 21. Yeah. It's like, for some reason in my mind, I thought Groshans must be like 22, 23, and is like, you know, needs to play AAA and then come on up, but... We might be a we might be a ways away from having any, any sort of fix at third base. Well, I mean, you never know, because... You know, Vladdy played in the big leagues when he was, I'm not sure if he was 19. I think he was 19 when he first came up. And then you got right. Boba who was 20. So it's not uh, unreasonable. Maybe it's unreasonable, but it's not impossible for Jordan Groshans to come up sooner than you think that he would. Yeah. You you adjusting the, the lineup after last night? Well, for sure, Derek Fisher's not in the lineup. Um, 
I don't know what the Travis Shaw hitting third thing is, man. I can't stand it. But yes, I would change that too. Um, I put Vladdy up in the lineup. I put Vladdy mm-hmm. third. Vladdy, Vladdy third, third. And Lourdes fourth. Biggio, Bichette, Guerrero, Lourdes, Randall. Yeah, like that a lot. Okay. Well, um, something tells me we might be in a similar situation coming in tomorrow. Maybe not. Let's hold out hope that Roark can just fend these guys off and that we can figure out a way to get to Garrett Cole's 100-mile-per-hour heater <laughs> that Vlad is going to be hunting. Um, hopefully we'll have a new lineup and we'll never see Derek Fisher in that outfield again. We're still going, We're still in a playoff position, everybody. I know it was, maybe it was a tough game to, to watch last night for everybody. It was tough for us, but we're back. We're not going anywhere. The Blue Jays aren't going anywhere. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. 